everybody. Welcome to episode 68 of the Strength Factor Podcast. As always, it's Todd. Hi, how you doing? Hope you're having a good one. Hope you're staying sane. It's currently April 23rd as I'm speaking these words, and shit's still kind of crazy. So I hope you're doing all right in every sense of all right that you could take all right as. Um, today, I'm joined by Matt Barents. He is the director of EFTI for Equinox which is their education program, their train, their trainer education program, which is really cool. It's something I've got to be a part of for the past like four and a half or five years. Um, they do a lot to support their trainer's education. So we talk about that. Um, we talk about training in general, what it takes to be successful as a trainer, um, some of Matt's journey as a trainer, how Equinox is managing, um, you know, training people virtually right now, how Matt's staying sane. Kind of a good, well-rounded conversation. I enjoyed it. Matt's a Matt's a really good dude, um, so I'm glad I finally got to have him on the podcast. And we're gonna you're gonna hear him talk in just a minute. Before we do that, listen, I gotta tell you something. All right, it's strength faction enrollment right now. It is early bird early bird enrollment is open now. The program starts on May 4th. If you enroll right now, I'm putting the link in the show notes. If you enroll right now, you will save 120 dollars. What will Strength Faction do for you? That is a question that is fair, and it's likely one that you're asking, and I'm going to tell you what it's going to do for you. It's going to give you the tactics and principles to survive in this industry as a coach, no matter what happens. We've been helping people get through this COVID pandemic, stay alive, get their businesses online as fast as possible, get their clients online. And here's the thing. The stuff that works for that is going to work when we return to normal. And how do we manage that change? And we're going to guide our clients through that process, um, through lessons, through coaching, through connection, through community, all of those things. You're going to get all of that over the 17-week Strength Faction Coaching Program. And it is, we're going to be kicking ass in real time, man. Whatever problems come up, we're going to help our clients solve them while also teaching them the principles and tactics. So listen, if you want to learn more, go to the link in the show notes. I'm going to put it there for you. Um, like I said, early bird enrollment right now, that's not going to last forever. Um, and then we're going to get started on May 4th, and it's going to be awesome. If you're on the fence, I'll tell you what, shoot me an email. I'll talk to you, Todd at beyondstrengthperformance.com, and we'll get that figured out. Now, listen, let's get to the podcast, and uh, let's talk to Matt. All right. See ya. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. See ya. Confidence of a professional stuff, man. Walk in the streets, it always smell like an onion. But I got the program, my body, soul, land. Make it strong as the wind in Chicago land. And we're getting stronger every day. We're all in, in the Strength Faction crew. So get your chips and load your hips because our mission is to bring out the best in you, and you, and you. So, Matt, um, like we were just talking off air, you know, I've. I owe a lot to you, uh, and so does my business partner. I was, I think of like of working in EFTI, and, and I'll let you introduce yourself and exactly what you do with all that in just a second, but like, I've got to go to places I probably wouldn't have gotten to go to and done some cool things and got to meet a lot of really neat people because of you. So I, I feel like this conversation with you is long overdue, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. So um, Matt, why don't you introduce yourself, man, and, and tell everybody who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, well, thank you. And thank you for having me on the podcast. So uh, my name is Matt Barons. I'm the director of education for EFTI. And that's the, the, our shortened way of saying Equinox Fitness Training Institute. Um, just much easier to say EFTI. Um, kind of the nutshell of that is we're the education department for Equinox personal trainers. 
Um, our main goal is to develop our trainers into the best they can be, you know, whether you're coming in with experience or um, you're brand new to the industry, we want to provide you with education that helps you up level your skills, uh, make sure you're be able to support your, your uh, clients as best as you possibly can and, and really, you know, expand yourself professionally as, as much as possible. So that, that's kind of in a nutshell without getting into like the, the details or the weeds of what we do. Um, kind of what the, the mission for EFTI is. Um, you know, part of that is our internal curriculum. So we deliver education to everybody that comes in. So, you know, anybody that, 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 that joins the team, they're going to go through the same education. And then, you know, we tailor it a little bit based on your, your experience and ability to test out. But then also we have the ability to work with, you know, leaders like yourself, uh, bringing people in to deliver continuing education to our trainers. Um, which is one of the things that, that I really enjoy having the opportunity to do because we can bring in people that we don't, we just, we don't have the opportunity to have everybody in the curriculum that we want or to have it expanded as much as we want. So we get to bring people in and, and they can teach from a variety of topics. Um, so, you know, everything from behavior change, nutrition to exercise techniques or uh, kind of anything around you know, program design, anything in between. Like we, we try to just find the best professionals just good people in the industry that we can bring in and, and help influence our teams. Yeah. It's incredibly well-rounded. I mean, I, it's the, like, I don't even, how many folks do you have outside of outside of uh, Equinox employees that, that <clears throat> present for EFTI? It's gotta be a ton. Yeah. I'm trying to think uh, I, I did. We always do the, the tally at the beginning of the year and, and I haven't checked the list. <laughs> uh, we're I think in the neighborhood of around 40 or 50 different people that yeah. come in and do, Hey, on a on an annual basis, we run anywhere between uh, 225 to 250 workshops across the the company. Um, just and again, just variety of topics. That's awesome. I, I think I just you know, you guys invest back into your your trainers and stuff better than any any of the other larger chains that I've ever been around. So it's really it's really cool to be a part of it. It's cool to see too. So yeah, we see. I mean, that's the more we can invest in our trainers, the best they can, the better they can do for their, their clients and the more successful the trainers going to be and the more successful the clients going to be. We just, we know this ultimately leads to nothing but good things. And then plus it, it makes, you know, it's why I stayed with the company for so long. It makes working here, you know, that much more enjoyable. I've been with the company for 15 years. I've started off as a, as a trainer in one of our clubs and I stuck around because of the education yeah. uh, we get and what what's brought in. So it's just, I get the honor of now kind of helping lead that path, I guess. How'd you get there? How, yeah, let's hear that story. How did you move up from being a trainer to be the, to being the EFTI guy? Um, you know, it, it was, it's a healthy mix of hard work and luck, I guess is the best way to put it. Because, it, you know, I, I didn't know what Equinox was. I, I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri. So I didn't know what Equinox was when I moved out to Los Angeles. Um, just my brother drugged me out here and I just started handing out resumes to any gym that I could find. And you not just happened to be the, the first place to call me back. Um, but I started off as a trainer at, one, at our Santa Monica club. And essentially I just dove in as, as much as possible, uh, built my client base, but then also tried to, because I had some experience coming in, you know, I had my degree, I'd worked a couple of years in, in, at some facilities in St. Louis. Um, I tried to basically you know, start doing a little bit of support, some mentorship to some of the other trainers, um, and I had some great managers at the time and they kind of really challenged me to, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature and they knew that and they like to also mess with me because of it. Um, <laughs> so this is part, they probably did this part for the fun of it and part to help me out. But 
they challenged me to start leading some small workshops and some small education in the clubs just to do some, some things for the newer trainers or for anybody that wanted to attend. So I started doing that and EFTI had already been established at that point. So I joined the, the uh, EFTI program as a master instructor, um, which is our, those are our internal instructors that teach our curriculum um, to join the team as a master instructor. And then from there went to open up in one of our clubs uh, out here in Los Angeles as the manager uh, was there for a number of years and just started getting further and further involved in the education side of things where I'd lead workshops. I'd go around to some of the other locations um, to just work with the, the teams of the different clubs. Um, and the more I got involved with it and, and worked with my predecessor, uh, Gerilyn Cooper Smith, who really helped me out a tremendous amount and really kind of learning what needed to be done. When she left the company to, to move on to a, a new position, um, I was able to kind of step in and, and take over as the, the director of education. That's awesome. It's just keep showing up and keep trying to get better and, and things happen, man. Yeah. That's, I mean, anytime somebody's asking that question, that's the, one of the things I could always pinpoint is I, I just, I would never stop. I would never say no to a, if somebody asked me to do something, can you put together this education? Sure. Can you do this? Anytime somebody asked for something, I was just sure. I'll, I'll happy to help. And, and, not with the expectation of getting anything in return or, or it leading to something, just looking for the opportunities to be involved and, and really be of service. And that just ultimately led to uh, me being able to, to step into the role I'm in. There's a, there's this, I, I don't want to say it's a quote, but I heard, I heard, you know who Henry Rollins is? I'm sure you know. Who Henry mm -hmm. Rollins. Yeah. So I heard him say one time something they were talking about, like he didn't turn down work or something for like the longest time. And, and mm -hmm. he was like, and he had, he had pretty much made it at that point. Like he was, he was, he was famous. He was successful. And he was just like, who am I to turn down work? You know what I mean? Like, who am I to say no? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of that same mentality, which I think is, is really cool. You know? Yeah. I mean, there, you never know what it's going to lead to and what the, you know, you know, what opportunities are come out of it, but it just, it's always some, the ability to, to take on new tasks or new challenges or just something anybody need or just to help I mean, even on the most base level if somebody needs help they're asking for it you know it's you know kind of respecting the fact that they asked you and yeah. say oh hey what can i do to, to support you midwest folks are all like that man. <laughs> you're all like, nicest folks in the world man every time every time i, I go somewhere it's like, i'm not necessarily saying for like an inside of an equinox but every time i travel yeah. for you guys i'm like somewhere and somebody's super nice to me like where are you from they're like oh minnesota or you know yeah. missouri or something like that so Midwest folks, man. That's awesome. So uh, you have obviously, I mean, you've been around, how long have you been at Equinox? You said, you said it was uh, about 15 years, 15 years. Yeah. That's a long time. So you've seen a lot of trainers. Mm -hmm. You've seen a lot of success. You've seen a lot of lack of success. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you get this question frequently. How do folks that are successful? I mean, obviously you probably just laid a little bit out of it there, but like, you know, the folks that just are just, or that want to be trainers that are trainers that are, mm -hmm. that are, are going that route. What, what have you seen work? What has made folks successful? You know, I've, you know, as a manager, when I was in the clubs, I thought about this a lot and I, I've gone through a kind of a journey of a, what I think of the ideal candidates who are the best people to be trainers you know, what I've ultimately landed on is to, it's, it's that proverbial art and science of, of coaching. You, you have to be able to connect with that individual that's in front of you. And, I, and ultimately that's, in terms of being successful, if we, we want to say measure success as, as 
on, on one side of it as having a lot of clients, being able to, to work with a, a good amount of people. You know, what we generally look at is people want to work with somebody they want to spend time with. They want to know that you have their best interest at heart. Um, you know, I've worked in clubs and I've been in clubs where, you know, there'll be trainers that have worked there for a year or two years and they'll be complaining about there's no, no business or there's no, no new clients and they, they can't, you know, get anybody else. And then somebody new comes in and just because they, they just have a inherent interest in wanting to help people. They, they go out into the floor and when they talk to somebody, it's not trying to sit with the intent of selling somebody. They just, they're going out there wanting to learn, wanting to understand what that person needs. That's, those are the people that are ultimately the most successful upfront because they, the client has decided, you know what, I want to work with this person because they have my best interest at heart. Then that dovetails into once you get clients, it's the science and the programming and kind of what you know on that end that helps you keep that person. So it's, you know, kind of in a nutshell, what I've always kind of called out is it's the personality that, that gets you the client. It's your programming and, and ability that helps you keep the client because they're only going to stay with you so long just because they like you. You know, they, they do want to see results at some point in time. So that's, you know, that, that's kind of what I've seen as being the biggest, you know, the biggest differentiator in terms of who's successful and who's not. I think a lot of trainers jump into it and just, they start, you know, trying to throw out as much information or much knowledge to the client as possible. And they think that that's going to impress them and that's going to get them business. And the reality is it's not the client just, they want to know that, you know, have some faith that you know what you're doing, but also just want to know that you have your, their interest at heart, that you're, you're there to support them. Yeah. I think the curious thing to ask too is cause like, um, we all know that we got to get results, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's that's, that's what people are paying, paying us for. They're not just they're I, I agree with you hundred percent folks, folks want to train with somebody that they're, um, that they're, um, that they're, that they like being around and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But, um, at the same right, we got to get results, mm -hmm. but it's real tough to get results with folks that don't show up. So yep. it's like, what is it? To, I mean, cause it's like, it's, it's different. I, 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 I live in never Neverland. I get to do what I want all the time. And we've created a completely different environment from what you have at like an Equinox or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, so what is it that gets folks to show up and train with their trainers at a commercial gym? You know, I think a number, one of the biggest things that you can do out of the gates is setting the right expectations for the client. You know, they, they, you know, just like anybody, they want to know what to expect and what to, what they're going to get coming into the door. And they also want to know that you are have a bit of that, that professional mindset around what they're going to be doing. So I guess the, the best way to put it is there's a lot of times where a client will come in, they'll start working with the trainer and they just, the trainer just jumps into it, doesn't set any expectations, doesn't set, you know, what's going to happen. And the, the client starts to dictate what happens and like mm. when they're going to show up and when they're not going to show up or anything along those lines. And, you know, the trainers that come into it and say, Hey, you know, we're going to work on this. They've connected with the client about what their goals are and what they want to accomplish. And they've set the expectations. I'm expecting you to be here these days a week. We have these times set really just dialing in what they want that client to do. Those are the ones that tend to see the clients show up more frequently than not. You know, they, they stay adhere to the program. They know what to do. You know, the, they, they take away any surprises, essentially. They want to make sure that the client is, is well aware up front of what, what they're going to have to have to do to see, see results. Um, 
I think that's been one of the biggest differentiators that, that I've seen with, uh, with those trainers that have clients that are on the ball there. They're, they're doing what they need to do with, for the program versus those that don't. The ones that don't, they just, they, they turn more into friends with the client and the client just, that it takes away that professional relationship. It's a tough balance. It's such a it tough is. balance. How, I mean, how did you manage that when you were training folks more? I mean, do you still train anybody? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. Um, awesome. And so one of the things, one, you know, one of the things growing up that I always knew is, is, you know, if you're working, if you're working for somebody, I grew up doing landscaping. And so I, I've been doing that. I did that for years. Uh, and honestly, doing that, I, I quickly realized as friendly as the, the, our clients and landscaping saw me, or word to us, they still looked at me. I, I was still the, the guy that cut the lawn. Like sure. I, I wasn't their friend. Sure. Um, and it, it's not, it's not a, like, it's not a negative. It's not knocking them. It's just, they, that was our dynamic. And I, that taught me early on, which I carried into the training world. It just because we're friendly doesn't mean we're friends. And, and it started with me making sure I kept that in the back of my mind. So I, it, that led to ensuring the session is not about me. It, it's not about what I did this weekend or my interests or my challenges or, or things of that nature. It's about the client. I need to make sure I'm engaging with them, understanding what's going on in their world and what they need, what their needs are and keeping it focused on them. If there, if there's a question that came up about what's happening with me, short one-liner and it's back to turning, pivoting it to, to that person. It's when you start blurring the lines and you start sharing more of your and, and it's tough because you do spend a lot of time with your clients. And so you want to, you don't want to be a, a robot for them. So sure. you have to, you have to draw the line at, Hey, this is about you and not about me. I don't bring my problems. This is all for, for what they need. And I think that was the one of the biggest ways that I still manage it. I, I, I have a client that I've worked with for the past 10 years, you know, and she's, you know, she always used to, she's, it would give me crap about whenever I'd come in on the, like after a weekend, she'd ask me how, how my weekend was. After a while she got the, got wind that my answer was pretty much the same. I was all right, nothing special. And then I would go into asking her about what's going on with her. And about a couple of years into it, she, she asked me the question and answered for me. And we went on for, went on with our, our session and she wasn't mad. She's, she recognized that, no, it's, a, I'm, I'm intent, entirely focused on that individual that it's, it's their time, it's their program, it's their goal, not mine. And yeah. I think that's, that's honestly the, I think the, the biggest differentiator is it starts with us as, as trainers and coaches. We got to recognize, no, I, I, I got to hold that line. I set the boundaries for my client. Not, not, I don't need to rely on them to set the boundaries. Sure. Well, I think I agree 100%. It, I mean, things get muddy when there aren't clear expectations. And mm -hmm. I think that that's because we have, we have a saying that we talk about, I mean, it, it's a little different here. Like I said, I mean, cause we, it's a 100% different setting, but sure. we, we have a saying, you know, we kill the tigers in the bushes cause it's like all those unknowns that really mm -hmm. that mess with people. And then when 100%. you have those unknowns and you don't have expectations, you can't, they don't know how to navigate that environment successfully. And then it's like, you know, the trying to constantly trying to figure out that dynamic is, is big for people. And it's like, for like, for example, I remember I've worked at different places and you know, there'd be trainers that would come in and just be, inconsistent with their personality they would come exactly. in one one per, one day they'd be this person the next day they'd be super happy the next day they'd be this and it's like when someone doesn't know what they're going to show up to it's it's real tough to want to show up yeah when you step on the strength floor you've got to be the same person to that individual each time they, you know no matter what's going on you need to step out if you're going to work with that person 
you just, you know, the second step of that threshold, you put your game face on and it's whatever you need to be for that, that individual, however you are. And if you can't do that, if whatever's going on in your world is, is so, you know, disruptive, then you need to step away and, and take care of that. And, and you just, exactly as you called it, the way we, uh, I always refer to it as, you know, we save surprises for birthday parties. Oh, that's cool. We, we like want that. to make sure that, you know, you set the, if you set that certainty and then expectation up front, then it, generally speaking, everything else take, gets taken care of. It's when surprises pop up or the unknown and people make, make assumptions, that's where you start going into a kind of negative territory. For sure. Well, you know what? I, I just had this thought that, especially because like at a commercial gym, because I think a lot of folks, and, 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 I, and I'll preface this by saying that this hasn't been my experience when I go into the equinoxes that I've been in, is, th- is people think of like a, a commercial gym as more of a cutthroat kind of place where mm-hmm. it's like all of the trainers are out there for themselves, everybody's trying to get business, blah, 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 like there's no team, there's no, uh, like everybody's concerned that somebody else is going to take their clients. That's not the experience that I've had with you guys. Uh, yeah. So how, how do you guys manage to have a team that you have when in reality there is some level of competition over yeah. business, you know? Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. There's always competition. I think the, it, a, it starts off with having the, our right management team in place. We have some phenomenal managers throughout all of our clubs and, you know, and we do a great job picking the right people to lead those teams um, because it, you know, having the right people in place there helps ensure that that level of, of kind of cutthroat nature or, or competition doesn't exist. Um, competition is there, but it, it's healthy competition. It's, you know, people just, you know, it's almost like two teams that, that are competing for the same thing, but supporting each other at the, at the same time. Yeah. So we want to make sure that we do have, we do build a little bit of com- competition in, but it's making sure that, you know, if there is any of that, you know, people trying to steal clients, that that's squashed right away and the managers handle it. And then we have a very you know, serious, no tolerance policy around that because then nobody wants to come into work because that's, you know, if no, if there's, if it's that type of environment, people are not going to want to be there and we're not going right. to get the right, right people there. Uh, I think the other piece of it is also just the understanding that in the average, you know, commercial gym, the vast, vast majority of people that are coming in that are members, don't have a trainer. The, you know, the, you know, we look at like the penetra- penetration rates for our, our member base. It's, you know, it's staggering like 80% of our people that are our members don't have trainers. So the, it, that's the other piece of it. It's getting everybody to recognize there's a large pool of individuals still out there. Like they, like it's not slim pickings. So you, you have to, if you recognize that there's always opportunity, then it's you're not you're less worried about the, what that person's getting and, and trying to steal their clients, and more worried about okay who's out there that still needs help that I can support. So you train people to have that kind of abundance mindset rather than think and think like scarcely. Yeah, we try to we try to kind of pull the curtain back a bit and get them to understand what the what the business demographic is of the of the clubs they're in because yeah. I think that the the average new trainer doesn't come in knowing any of that stuff. They don't, sure. you know, they don't know anything about how a club is run or how a department, you know, a personal training program is run. And by getting them to understand, Hey, this is what we have. This is where, you know, these are the amount of people that are out there. That's, you know, it, it opens their eyes to what the, the possibilities are. Um, and then, like I said, our managers are great and they, 
they also help guide that ship as well in terms of getting people clients. So, you know, if somebody new joins, they're looking at that person and the information they have about them and saying, well, they want to accomplish X, Y, and Z. This is the right person or this, you know, you know they, they try to, to match the client as best as possible to who that's, they think would be, be the that's right That's a good person. question. How do you, like, so is that just, how do you guys kind of, what's the filter that you run through, like comparing trainer to client and being like, hey, on these dynamic, like how do you play match.com, I guess is what yeah. I was say. I, it starts, you know, if we're able to get into the, the office when they sign when the person signs up to, to join the club, um, that manager goes in and they just do a quick needs analysis. They, they're, they talk to that person um, from everything of what they want to accomplish, what, you know, what their goals are for the program, what are they, what are they looking to do, as much as they can get to some specifics there. Um, but then they also just, they ask some personality, basically, what, do you, what type of person do you like to work with? What, what's your... You know, you know, what is the coaching style you're looking for? And they break it down. They, they, it's, they go through a conversation with that person to re- just try to get a read on what their personality is like, what they're looking to accomplish, what their schedule is like, you know, all these different things from logistical to the, the you know, the, the, the programmatic. And then they take that information away and they look at their team because they'll know they're going to know their team the best and say, well, this person has, you know, covering all the logistics, this person has these time slots available and has done this in the past or has this level of education. And so they, they, they go through that kind of vetting or the filtering process of first, who's just available at the times this person wants to come in. Sure. Okay. Of those people, how many of them have the experience that to get them where they want to be and have the, ma- the personality match what they want to do. And then that, that ultimately leads down to, you know, two or three names and they just, they, they pick the right person they feel is going to do the job. Great. That's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm just, I think because it is a matching game, right? Because it's like, there yeah. are just some folks that shouldn't be working with some folks. And it's like, it's no yeah. fault of either of theirs. It's just like, this isn't the right fit, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. They, I mean, I've, I'm a, a more reserved personality and I've stopped working with clients because I, I recognize it. Look, it's no harm, no foul. And, and we had, I still had a great relationship with that person as a member of the club and supported them when they worked with a different trainer. But they were looking for something that I couldn't provide. You know, they're the, you know, I'm not going to ever be the, the high energy kind of cheerleader type personality. And a couple of times there was somebody that was looking for that. And it, it's going to serve that person better to work with an individual that can deliver that than for me to try to fake it and, and do something I'm not, that's not me. Because they'll recognize the, inauth- the inauthenticity of it. And essentially it's going to lead to them not trusting me. So just whether knowingly or unknowingly, they're going to recognize uh, there's something's not right here. So sure. I want to make sure that even I, on the, the training side of it, because it makes it more enjoyable for me. If somebody's expecting me to be something I'm not, then I, I got to, it takes more effort on my side to, to match that essentially. Yeah, no, I'd, you got to pick the right fit. I mean, we, we do a uh, part of our coaching, we call it match plus one to like try to be as authentic as possible with like cel- celebrating someone's success. It's like, you know, yeah. If, if someone's personality is a little up here and you're not typically up there, but you want to let them know that like, Hey, this is a good thing. And like, just mm-hmm. reinforce something good is trying to get up there as authentically as you can. And exactly. if you can't, it's like, you know, but it, it's just the expectation of the client of like, Oh man, this is a change in him recognizing a change in me. And I, and I think mm-hmm. that that's, but that's, it's, it's a difficult game to play sometimes. It really is. It is. I mean, people are complex, man. 
Yeah, it, it's a, it's a it's a fun puzzle to try to put together when you start just learning about the person you're working with and you know who they are and what makes them tick. And it, the longer you're with them, the more you kind of peel back and learn more and more. And it, it it's never whatever your initial impression of them is, it hardly ever stays the same. No. You're you're constantly learning more about that individual and kind of why they do what they do. Yeah, and when they're ready to show you a little bit more of who they are. Yeah, you know? exactly, exactly. Some folks are there right away, and some folks it takes quite a while. Yeah. Quite a yeah. while. So, it's, but it's been interesting to see, um, you know, through Strength Faction and, and, and through our gym, the difference in dynamic of working virtually now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. You wouldn't think this, but, like, I'll, I'll observe some of our coaches – doing their virtual sessions. So we run them through zoom and we still do some of our small group. Well, our small group sessions through that. And it seems to be more draining than actually working with somebody in person. Yeah. You know Cause I mean? you, yeah, I would imagine cause you, you have to be on it all times. Like, yeah, it's, it, no, it's no longer that physical presence that can help drive the, the session or drive the training. It's you have to now constantly be coaching, constantly be on and in communication with that individual you know, more verbally than, than ever before. That's a, that's a lot. You're, that's you're, thing. you're it's a lot of effort into it. Verbally is the thing too. Cause it's like, you know, you can't use body language. You can't use mm-hmm. some kind of kinesthetic cue. It's like the whole time you're locked in and you're just watching and then you're commenting and then helping. And it's just, I think even just staring at a screen for that long. Cause I think the thing yeah. is, is like <laughs> most of us that got into this game, we did this. So we didn't have to stare at a screen yeah, for all that exactly. long. And yeah. so it's just a holy, it's been wearing on people, man. It really is. Well, but it's going to be an interesting, the reality is once I guess facilities start opening back up and whatever that ends up looking like that reliance on the non-tactile, the verbal type of cueing is still going to have to, have to oh, be there sure. because, you know, somebody comes back in the club, they're not going to want you all over them, you know, especially mm-hmm. initially. And so that's something that's going to take a, a little while for, uh, I think everybody kind of get used to, and it's, it's a skill set to build. It is an opportunity to build a skill. I, I think that's for sure to, to really work on your verbal skills and your, and your observational skills. I think, I think you're hundred percent spot on. Um, how, I mean, what are, what are folks, are, are you guys with Equinox? Are you guys still training people online? Like how are you guys managing yeah. this right now? Yeah. Very same thing. Very same thing. Yeah. We, yeah. we try to as quickly as possible, get people to, to pivot to doing the, the online training. Um, and yeah, we're delivering our sessions as much as possible through kind of virtual live sessions. And then, um, yeah, so we're doing that as much as we can. You guys have a great, uh, simple program design app though, too. What is that strength portal or something like that? Yeah, is we, that what it is? We, we partner with strength portal to, to build our internal app, but even, but for the, the virtual training, you know, they, the, the strength portal app, that's what we use for our live sessions when, you know, before everything kind of went, you know, up in the air. Uh, sure. So now uh, I, the, the main app that we're using is called Lyft Sessions. It's basically like oh, okay. it's a, almost like a Skype designed for training. So that Indeed. way you do have a, like um, we're right now we're on Zoom. So if this were Lyft Sessions, you'd have like a, on the right side of the screen, you know, you know, videos of exercises. So if somebody is doing something like, oh, how do I do that again? You can click on that video, drag it. Now that comes full screen. The, the client can watch it real quick. And it pops back off. Now you're back to observing what they're doing. Oh, that's so cool. It, yeah, it, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool platform to be able Lift to Lift sessions. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. So that's that's, awesome. that's what yeah that's what we've been using with our clients, and it really does a, a great job in in uh, kind of supporting that virtual session and allowing the 
the clients know what they need to do and the, the trainer to be able to actually coach them. So how do you think we're going to manage this? Like, what, what do you think is managing this transition of, of like eventually when we, when we start to get things going, I mean, they're going to open it. It's it, right now yeah. it's April 23rd. They're going to open in Georgia tomorrow. I so know. It's, like, um, I, it's going to be interesting. I, I think I know I can only speak from what we plan to do. And I, and we've, there's been plenty of, of conversations about this. We're only going to open when we're a hundred percent confident. We can, we can be as safe as possible for our, our members. Sure. There, there's, there's no way for us to say um, we can be 100% safe just because you can't control absolutely everything, but we're going to do everything within our utmost power to be you know, as safe as possible. Um, but I think really what it's going to be is, and for facilities like ours, it's going to, I think, uh, be the starkest difference is the reduction in the amount of people that are allowed to be in the clubs and yeah. the, the kind of pulling back what used to be let's get everybody in and let's see, you know, want people using the clubs and, you know, build strength floors and build group fitness classes and things like that. It's going to be pulling it back and making sure there's enough space. And we're, you know, we're monitoring how many people are in the club or, you know, really ensuring that we can have that, especially up front and especially initially that distance between people that, that they, they want to make them feel comfortable and make them feel like they, they can come in and, and really focus on what they want to do. It's going to be interesting for you guys too, because you're in a bunch of different states. You know exactly, what I mean? So, is it, yeah. are you just going to be uniform, or is that yeah? I you know I think it's going to be. It's I think it's going to there's probably going to be a rolling structure like right now. You know, you have states like you know we don't have anything in Georgia, um, but you know Florida isn't probably too far behind them. We have clubs down there, um, and so it's looking at like if they open up and we basically. Uh, the, from our end, we'll do, we're going to function independently of whatever the state's doing. So yeah. if the state opens back up and says, Hey, you guys can do, can work where we'll only go back to it when we're confident that we can, even if that means staying closed when other places are opening up, it, we don't want to run that risk to, to open up too soon without the systems in place. Cause it is just too important of a, uh, of a uh, kind of a risk or too important of a situation to, to guy to go and haphazardly. So we're going to just kind of go on our own timeline as a company. And when we're ready to go, then, then we'll open up. Yeah. You guys, you got to do what you think is the right thing to do to, to make sure you keep people safe and to, to your standards. So mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. But what have you been doing to manage yourself through all this? Cause you got, you're married, you got two kids, mm -hmm. two you got two kids, kids. Yeah. you're at the house. How yeah. are you keep, how are you keeping Matt going, man? I mean, I spend a lot of time in my garage. I've, I've yeah. had a, uh, the lucky opportunity to build out a, a little bit of equipment in my garage. So I, I spend time down there. That's also where I, I have a little bit of an office. So I'll do some work down there and, you know, we're, we're trying to prepare for our, on our end, what our education looks like coming back in. So I'm doing, doing work around that. And then the rest of the time is trying to keep the kids happy to be, to be honest. It's, you know, they, I, there's a two and a half year old and a nine month old. Oh boy. And yeah. And then, it, you know, it's really just, how do we keep them entertained? How do we keep them, you know, doing something, you know, productive or, or constructive for, for them, not just sitting around. Um, and it, it's honestly also, you know, recognizing the opportunity to actually be at home and spend time with them that I otherwise wouldn't be able to spend time. Sure. So it's kind of looking at it from the, the mindset of, well, you know, what, you know I, there's not another time that I'm going to have like uninterrupted, you know, days on end that I can just hang out with my kids and, and have some fun. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that's, I think that's the bright spot that everybody's kind of found in this, but it's like, I've also talked to some of my friends. I don't have any kids yet, but I've also talked to some <laughs> of my friends and they're like, my three-year-old doesn't understand why this is happening and she's done with it. And she wants to know why she can't see her friends and she's just starting to get pretty obstinate. So it's like, you guys with kids, man, this is a lot. This is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, there, there are definitely good days and bad days because they, you know, he, my son's used to going out and doing things and, you know, the nine month old doesn't really know any better. So she's just calling around and doing her thing. Um, <laughs> but the, the two year old, you know, he wants to be out running around doing, and thankfully he's, he's pretty mellow about it. We, you know, he'll go down the garage with me, he'll play out an alleyway and just, as long as he can run around and last night I had him running wind sprints to the dumpster and back. So that's awesome. Some energy. <laughs> I saw you um, doing, I saw you doing some obstacle courses with him on Facebook and stuff. That's yeah. awesome. man. That's yeah, great. I figured got to get something in there. So he, he's in that garage. New, so, you know, get him thrown around the medicine ball. That's awesome. No, that's great. I, you know, it's just like, it's such a weird time and there, and there's yeah. so many ways to see bleak things and, and, you know, and in some ways it is very bleak and, and you know, that people are suffering for a multitude of different reasons, but yeah. it's like, if you have the opportunity to slow down and say, Oh man, like I got to cook dinner with my family for like the first time in a long time. And I get to spend exactly. this time with my kids and you know, it's just, That's exactly it. yeah, it's you, you know, being able to yeah have the time to do an optional course in my garage with my, my kid or, you know, be able to just build Legos with them or, and, and just spend that much time with them. That's, it's a, it's fun. It's, it's, it's what we should be able to take a little bit of a step back and kind of relax and, and not try to rush as much through everything. That's what I'm wondering. Like when this all shakes out, cause you know, you know, uh, we got a, I, we're just here in suburban DC. So we got clients that, I mean, they could partially telecommute, but they had to go to the office so often, blah, blah, blah. And all this kind of stuff. And now it's like, they're all telecommuting and all the work's getting done. And it's like, do we have to have people come to the office? Like, do things have to happen as fast as they're, they're happening? Like, I, I think it's, I hope there's a bit of a reset button hit. You know what I mean? Same. Yeah. I think that would be nice if that were the case. I, I agree. Like there, there should be that realization of, you know, do we need to constantly be in the office or on 24 seven? And, you know, can we take, can we be just as successful, but take a bit of a step back and, and, you know, have some more time for non-work-based things. Oh, like, yeah. You know, be it kids or friends or family, whoever. It just, yeah, you know, I it, it had gotten to this fever pitch of we always have to be doing something. We always have to be working and constantly on it. And I think it's nice to be able to pull back a bit on that. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the thing too is like I think they we will see some productivity go up. I think we will see these things happen because if you look at the studies of like corporate coaching and everything, and when they want CEOs to be more productive, the first thing they do is they get them to not work so much. You know what I mean? And, and hopefully yeah. we can extrapolate that to all of us. Well, I mean, say just like, it's, you know, kind of like training. If you're pushing hard at all yeah. points in time within your training program, your results are going to be suboptimal at best. It's when you can build in that recovery, build in the, the, the rest period, like that's, that's how you get that progress. And the same, doesn't matter what the stress is, be it, you know, training or otherwise, you have to have that, that downtime. Otherwise you're just going to, you're going to burn out and you're not going to be as productive. That's awesome. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Well, Matt, I want to, I want to give you some downtime. So I, cause I appreciate you giving me some of your time and chatting with me, man. So, so thanks so much. I hope you and your family stay happy and healthy through all this. And 
Yeah, you too. Hopefully I'll get to see you this year or next year or something, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. So we'll see how this works. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. So all right, man. Well listen, uh you take care, Matt. Thank you. You too. Thank you.